Welcome to Ashwood. Dark Stories for Bright Minds. Decayed. I have decided to write my account of what happened in the final days. I was there from the start, and I survived until the very end. My hope is that, if there is somebody else out there, they might find my testimony and take it to heart. Please, dear reader, learn from our mistakes. My father and mother were well-known scientists who had dedicated their lives to discovering a way to end world hunger. When they were still children, the great decay began to spread throughout the world. As technology advanced, nature seemed to recoil away from society. Farmers struggled to maintain their crops. Forests dwindled and all but disappeared. Trees were no longer growing to full maturity, and the fruits they produced were too small to be enjoyed. I remember when my father would tell me about the size of the apples he used to eat as a child. I could hardly believe him. I grew up in a world where almost all of my food was synthetic. Instead of stopping the advancement of our technology and giving nature a chance to return to its former glory, technology simply moved to replace the natural world altogether. Instead of trying to plant more trees, we created our own air converters. Everyone had them installed inside their homes and marveled at how easy it was to breathe the fresh air. When crops, fish, and livestock could no longer survive, we discovered a way of creating nutritious food directly from the soil. We drained the ground of its nutrients and packaged it in bright labels for consumption. Meanwhile, we continued to build giant monuments to our leaders around the world. Our leaders claimed they were saving us, when in reality, these technological advancements just exacerbated the problem. The more we tried to fix the world through our own innovations, the greater was the sickness of the earth. My parents decided to search for an actual cure for that sickness. Being a part of the elite class, most of their peers laughed at them and their efforts. After all, life was still easy and full of abundance for most of the wealthiest members of society. It was the poor that felt the majority of the effects of the great decay. Nevertheless, my parents not only spent their lives searching for that cure, but they raised me to care about the earth enough to make a difference as well. As a result, I followed in their footsteps and devoted my life to the same pursuit. Like almost everybody else, cancer took their lives when I was a young man. The last thing my mother told me was to never give up on healing our planet. However, shortly after they died, a new problem presented itself. If we did not discover a more efficient method of creating food, nobody would be around to find a cure for the great decay. We were already tapped into all the world's reserves, and the synthetic foods could not be produced quickly enough. We were sucking the earth of all its nutrients at an impossible rate. I decided to temporarily stop my search for a cure to the great decay, and try to find a way of producing healthy, sustainable, nutritious food for the world. I got my inspiration from one of my colleagues. She was working on a serum that could keep a person looking young forever. She came to me for advice, and when I saw what she had been working on, I was astounded. 
Her serum successfully ended the aging process for anyone who took it. If taken daily for just a month, the serum would completely change the structure of a person's cells. They could regenerate almost instantaneously, and each new cell was identical to the one that came before it. The cells showed absolutely no signs of aging. There were only two problems, one small and one substantial. The small problem is that the cells required enormous amounts of water. Of course, we were sure that most people would be fine drinking four to five gallons of water every day in exchange for eternal youth. The substantial problem was the growth rate of the cells. They regenerated at an almost impossible rate, but that presented a mortal issue if the user developed cancer. In our modern world, cancer is a fact of life. Whereas causes of death used to be varied centuries ago, now everyone eventually died from cancer. There was no escaping it. We all just try and prevent it until it finally wins. However, if someone who had taken the serum developed cancer, it would almost immediately take over the rest of the body. There would be no time to remove it. Fortunately, at the same time, one of my colleagues had discovered a way of slowing the growth of cancer through gamma therapy. The treatment was designed to attack only cancerous cells, leaving the rest of the body unharmed. I was able to use his research and apply it to the youth serum. What we came up with was a method of administering the serum along with a similar treatment using gamma rays. The result was that the serum would work exclusively on healthy cells. Any cancerous cells would be ignored by the serum, thus allowing cancer to develop at a normal rate while the rest of the body regenerated according to the effects of the youth serum. The only downside of this new development was that the gamma treatment did not work on animal test subjects. We tried using cultured human cells, but those also failed to produce any results. We had to test it on a human subject. To our surprise, we had plenty of people sign up to test the treatment. I suppose the benefits seemed to outweigh the risks involved for most people. A few months later, we began administering trial procedures for 15 people, all of them with early-stage cancer. The results were amazing. Their bodies responded perfectly to the treatment, but the cancer was completely unaffected. We were able to remove the cancer, and their healthy cells all remained as healthy as ever. Soon after, we realized an astounding effect that none of us had anticipated. One of the test subjects got into an accident. Her skull had been cracked, and she lost her left arm. However, a few days later, she had made a complete recovery. Not only had her skull mended itself, but her arm grew back. Her cells had somehow formed a memory of the lost tissue, and had become capable of replacing it. Of course, that was the major turning point for everyone. We had not only done the impossible by creating a serum for eternal youth, but we had also created a treatment that allowed for total regeneration. Before long, the waiting list for the procedure had entered the millions. We needed government approval before we could take it public, but we continued administering it to test subjects. Thousands of people had received it without any negative side effects. Just when we thought it could not get any better, a new discovery was made. One of the patients had developed cancer again. However, just one month after it was discovered, it had disappeared. It turns out that the healthy cells had recognized the cancer as unwanted, attacked it, 
and absorbed it. We had unknowingly developed a cure for cancer. The patients did not age, regenerated lost tissue, and could fight off cancer. What we had really created was immortality. Anyone who received the procedure was completely unable to die. It was dubbed the miracle, and now everyone was pressuring our government into expediting the approval process to allow it to go public. Of course, as wonderful as the miracle was, the world still had one problem that outweighed everything else. World hunger was still our biggest concern. The world was starving, and we were turning people into immortals. If the whole world got the miracle, then world hunger would only increase. Without people dying, the human population would grow at an impossible rate. Our leaders insisted that we first figure out a way to end world hunger before the miracle could be made public. As a result, the government ordered that all trials of the miracle be stopped until further notice. Naturally, the public outcry was tremendous. Half of the world was demanding the miracle, while the other half was begging only for food. Any hope of the miracle being made available within our lifetimes seemed to be slipping away. It was only a short time before that hope was completely lost. Almost all of those test subjects had become violent. Without any regard for safety and the prospect of living forever, they had taken it among themselves to weed out the rest of society. They now considered themselves gods and insisted that the miracle be destroyed and the earth left to them alone. They spent their days robbing and killing everyone else. The armed forces had to be brought in to detain them. One by one, they were each rounded up and thrown in jail. However, they kept escaping because they could jump off the sides of buildings, run through a barrage of bullets, and even risk drowning because they were all able to regenerate. As a result, a special prison was constructed for the immortals. There could be no climbing, digging, jumping, or fighting their way out. It was a tall concrete pit. The immortals were dropped in from above. Any other person would die from the fall, but these people could not die. Their food and water was dropped in every day, and that is where they were forced to live out the rest of their lives, however long that would prove to be. Soon after, the miracle was made illegal, and anyone administering or receiving the treatment would be thrown in the immortal pit. Meanwhile, as all of these developments were happening, I had long since returned to my first vocation. I was still trying to develop a cure for the great decay. The earth needed healing more than we did, and I had never lost sight of that. One day, as I realized how far I was from any progress, I wondered if maybe we could make a temporary solution while we continued our research. Then it occurred to me, we were sitting on top of an untapped, eternal resource. The immortals could miraculously regenerate. We had thousands of immortals just sitting in that pit, wasting space and supplies. I realized we could make them useful. I met with some government officials and presented my idea. I told them that we could take the immortals, chain them up so that they are unable to escape, and harvest their organs and muscles and turn it into food. Once they had fully healed, we could harvest the new tissue again and again. The immortals could become an unending supply of meat for the rest of the world. Understandably, my idea was met with some opposition, 
But for the most part, people were supportive. The world was starving, and the immortals were no longer viewed as humans anyway. The moment they had decided to terrorize the world and name themselves as gods, they lost the sympathy of everyone else. My proposal was accepted, and before long, the immortal pit was transformed into a processing plant. Within weeks, we were shipping out fresh meat to the far reaches of the world. For the first time in ages, all of humanity was thriving. We had fresh meat, and the earth was getting a chance to heal. I spent decades continuing my research, hoping to end the Great Decay. Unfortunately, as time went on, and I grew old, it became increasingly apparent that we were just too far gone. In spite of our best efforts, the earth could not sustain us any longer. Even with the aid of the fresh meat provided from the immortals, the human population was disappearing. Our numbers fell into almost non-existence. The few of us that remained soon realized that the only people left alive would be the immortals. We could not let that happen, but we also had no idea how to kill any of them. That is when I gave my last contribution to the world. The immortals could not die, but they also needed enormous amounts of water. I suggested simply taking away their water supply. We took a small group of them and observed what happened when we no longer provided them with anything to drink. Unable to die, but also unable to quench their thirst, their bodies quickly withered away into living corpses. Their skin shrank back onto their skeletons, exposing their teeth into grotesque frozen smiles. Their limbs became thin as bones. As the muscles shrank into threads, they lost all mobility. There were only a few organs that somehow managed to continue functioning. In hopes of finally discovering a way to kill them, we decided to remove those organs. To our surprise, if the organs were discarded, the immortals regenerated them. However, if the organs were kept nearby, the immortals somehow reacted to their proximity and did not regrow the missing tissue. Finally, we decided on the best course of action. We would repeat this process with the rest of the immortals, and hide them away in hopes that they would never be found again. As the rest of the planet descended into chaos, the rest of us got to work. People were leaving civilization in mass quantities in search of fertile land. They were reverting to an ancient, nomadic way of life. Only a few of us stayed behind to finish the work on the immortals. Little by little, we removed the immortals from their pit, and carefully prepared their bodies for eternal rest. We monitored them as they withered away. Then, we removed their organs and placed them in separate jars to be kept close to their bodies. As an added precaution, we wrapped them tightly in strips of linen to keep them from ever being able to move. Once they were all prepared, we set out to find the best places to hide the bodies. As our government leaders had already either fled into the wilderness or taken their own lives, we decided to use their monuments. Each monument was designed with mazes and vaults to keep out would-be thieves. It was the perfect place to keep the immortals from ever being found or resurrected. We placed each immortal into a heavy stone box inside one of the vaults and sealed it from the outside. It took us years, but we eventually got the thousands of immortals locked away for good. When the work was over with, we all decided to flee the city as well. I still remember the day that I left. As we drifted down the river, I thought about my part in all of these things. 
I had helped create these monsters. I had tried my best to atone for my creation by developing a way to get rid of them. As the sun went down, I took one last look at those giant monuments. I was amused at the idea that those beautiful pyramids, that once used to celebrate our leaders and tell their stories, would forever be prisons for the worst criminals humanity has ever created. Once they disappeared beyond the horizon, I left my worries with them. Now I need to look forward to the future. Humanity had destroyed this planet, and now I can only pray to the gods that the earth will be healed one day. Maybe one day the forests and oceans will teem with life again. Maybe mankind can start over and fix the mistakes of our past. Perhaps then all evidence of our once advanced civilizations will have faded into dust. I just hope that whatever happens, nobody ever opens the vaults in those pyramids. Today's story was written and narrated by me, Joey Kluge. Music and editing by Stephen Reeder. If you enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast. Also, it would be a great help to us if you could leave us a good review. You can learn more about Ashwood at www.ashwoodstories.com. We also have a store with Ashwood merchandise at the same address, www.ashwoodstories.com. You can also follow us on social media at Ashwood Stories. As always, thank you for listening. Stay bright, everyone.